ഹമദുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്തുഹുസ്
So now you had new communities that were reverts to Islam, new Muslims. Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala knew that the only way to secure their iman is to impart Islamic education to them. Knowledge is hikmah. Knowledge is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And subhanallah, how was knowledge imparted to these groups and communities? It is quite amazing when we ponder upon the activities of our Salafus Salihin. Subhanallah, the doors of Quran and Hadith and how the fundamentals of Islam were taught to them came through two groups of people. The first group was the Mujahideen, the Muslim soldiers. On one side, they were making sure that the borders of the Islamic empire were well secure and were safeguarded. At the same time, with the responsibility of securing the borders of the Islamic empire, they would have an open madrasa. These were soldiers. They did not think that we have to be a mufti or a great scholar to teach the basics. I mean, who would not know Alif Zabar A, Ba Zabar Ba, Ba Zabar Ba? Who would not know that? Who would not know Surah Al-Fatiha? And unfortunately today what happens, everything is loaded upon those who, who hold that status in the society. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not muhtaj, he's totally independent. Totally independent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took this great service from Ahmad Didat. May Allah give him Jannah. What a great man he was. Ulama sit on the pulpit and preach Islam. Shaykh Ahmad Didat rahmatullah alayhi would go in their churches and preach Islam. That is jihad. He would go in front of them in America and challenge them and say to them, your salvation depends in obeying and following the teachings of Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now at the same time, brothers, we must never ever undermine the ulama. That would not mean that I'm opening up for you that now you can issue fatwas and do your bayans. That is why even the people who go in tabliq jamaat, they have to be very, very careful. A lot of them, what they, what they tend to do is recite the verses of the Qur'an and do the tafsir of the Qur'an. No matter how much you know, no matter how much you know, Subhanallah, and that is why the shuyukh of every, every activity, every institute has codified a system that this is what you do, this is what you don't do. These are the do's and these are the do nots. Subhanallah, if you are not a doctor, can you operate someone? Ji, koi baat nahi, kidney transplant karna hai, don't worry ji, I've got a lot of experience, Pai, come here, cut him up. Nobody does that. Doctor sahab ko aisa karta hai? Nobody does that. Subhanallah. So that's very, very natural. But what I'm talking about is the basics. The basics of Islam. To hold your brother's hands and to give him that support. Don't worry, alhamdulillah, we are Muslims. We are Muslims. So in every sphere of life, this is the truth and this is the haqiqat. And so sahabai kiram ajma'in, imagine these were mujahideen. Mujahideen fi sabirillah. On one side they would have their weapons. And on the other side, the brother would teach, Ha ha ji, who was he, this man? Was he Christian? Was he an atheist? Ji, come here, come here, come here. You're a Muslim now? MashaAllah, let me teach you Surah Al-Fatiha. Let me teach you how to stand in Salah. This is how you stand in Salah. 
So the Mujahideen were actually teaching them how to read Salah. And then another category of people, and if we are to compare the Salaf with the contemporaries today, you will find a lot of difference. The second group of people that worked very hard in giving da'wah to the, the general public and also supporting the reverts were Muslim traders and merchants, the tujjar. On one side they would come and settle and open up the little shop and do business, mashallah. And doing business they would find a new Muslim, oh mashallah, come, 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 sit here, sit here, sit here. Right, I'm going to listen to your surah al-Fatiha. Subhanallah. Look at the Muslim businessmen today as compared to the businessmen of our Salafus Salihin. Zameen Asman Kafar. These were people who went to Africa with the intention of business and they opened up Islam. These were people who went to China, Russia, Malaysia with the intention of Tijarat. They opened up Islam. Subhanallah. They knew the goal. They knew what was important. They knew that the maqsad, the purpose is Islam. And so the Tujjar... The Tajir were actually Mu'allims. So they were Mu'allims and they were teaching them how to read and recite the Qur'an. Allah give them jazai khair. Unfortunately today what happens, our Muslim business people and businessmen when they go, when they travel, it's all about money. It's all about materialism, consumerism. Bas ye, wo, ye, wo, le, Allahu Akbar. But the haqeeqat is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made each and every one of us khalifa. Am kaun hai? Khalifa. وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَ That you are a khalifa. You are an ambassador of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have this immense responsibility. And when I'm reading tarikh, history, as to how these reverts were supported, subhanallah, it amazes me. A handful of companions. These were the pinnacle parts of the society. Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een. But then everything could not be with Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een. Now we are entering the Khilafat of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala. But even business people, even the Mujahideen, these were like scholars benefiting from Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een. They would take time out and sit and listen and take in Islamic knowledge. And so this was how knowledge was given to them, making sure that the iman is completely secure and sealed. This was the fundamental duty of the Muslims. We also need to remember that the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was upon seven letters. Ala sab'ati ahrufin was revealed upon seven letters. Now we need to understand this mas'ala, this topic very clearly. What is meant by seven letters is the seven recitals of the Qur'an. The seven recitals. And when we talk about seven recitals, uh, ulama have mentioned that Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam requested Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to facilitate the Arabs in reciting the Qur'an. Now we need to go back and look at history that these were people who were masters in the Arabic language. Masters. In fact, if you did not know Arabic, they'd say, Ah, the Ajami. Guys, this guy is dumb. Ajami. He's dumb. So if you didn't know Arabic, you're dumb. These were masters of the Arabic language. And each Arab tribe in the Arabian Peninsula, they were so powerful 
there were certain words in Arabic, the words and letters, they would have their own method of pronouncing it. The different, different words. So Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam requested Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to facilitate the ummah when it came to the recitation of the Quran. And again, this is the miracle, the mu'jiza of the Quran, that when the verses were being revealed to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Jibreel would also read to Rasulullah the different accent, the different pronunciation, the dialects of each tribe, and which uh, verses are to be read in the different forms. And that was taken by Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we need to understand that everything was authenticated by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We don't have different versions of the Qur'an. We need to understand this. Shaitan hamare baat mein shak na dale, ha? Dushman apna. We don't have different versions of the Qur'an. There are different versions of the Bible. There is only one version of the Qur'an, which is the revelation that came upon Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 6,666 verses of the Qur'an, 540 rukus of the Qur'an, Ji, 114 chapters of the Quran, ji, and to my best knowledge, maybe 59,430 59, words, words of the Quran. Huh? So it is only one copy that we have. But in the time of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they were so professional. Each tribe would have their own method of pronouncing different, different words. So to show them the miracle of the Qur'an, the Qur'an revealed in subhanallah, in, in this beautiful rhythm that a person could pronounce it in different, different ways. And each pronunciation would mean that it would open up this sublime spiritual guidance of the Qur'an. It did not change the core message of the Qur'an. It did not change the core message of the Qur'an. So for an example, there were people, there was a variation in the pronunciation of the Qur'an. For an example, at times there were some tribes that they would do a lot of mud and they would prolong the word, they would prolong it. And there were certain tribes that that particular word, they would not prolong it, they would shorten it. And you have all, all the usul of tajweed, the tarqiq and the tafkhim and all the usul of tajweed that is there. So it was a variation in the pronunciation of the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even today, if, if I was to read the Qur'an, and if an Arab was to read the Qur'an, you'd say that by this guy is an Indian and this person is an Arab. Illa hmm? mashallah. If someone is really gifted and he can read very well, that is different. And even as far as English is concerned, that person whose mother tongue is English, when he speaks English, to that person whose second language may be English. There is a difference in how the words are pronounced. So that person who is fluent, whose mother tongue it is, he's always going to be good with that language. So the Arabs were very professional in the Arabic language, but to break their pride, Allah revealed the Qur'an in such a beautiful sequence that they were amazed, they were defeated. They did not know, they could not match no poetry with the Qur'an. Huh? To give you an example, one imam, he's reading Surah Al-Fatiha, he might say, Maliki Yawmiddin. 
And recently there was a, a, a man, an Arab brother, he goes to me, Malisab, why are you always reading your usual Kirat, Maliki Yawmiddin? We are used to one Kirat which is Maliki Yawmiddin. I said, my brother, if I read Maliki Yawmiddin, Musa Bai will give me a Lukma. He'll give me a Lukma and he'll say, it's Malik, not Malik. That's huh? a joke, eh, Musa Bai? Don't get angry. So I said, my brother, bhai, let us carry on how we are, mashallah. And he understood, he says, yeah, yeah. So these are the different forms and you'll find even some of the imams. So when you have the Qur'ahs coming, one or two verses of the Qur'an, they will read it for you in the different manner. So these are different recitals. It is not versions of the Qur'an. And so each tribe was used to one particular method of using some words and sentences. So for an example, there was variation in numbers. Some of the tribes for them to say something, they would use a singular form. And some would mean the singular form but use the, the plural form. For an example, someone could read Watammat Kalimatu Rabbik. Watammat Kalimatu Rabbik. That is the singular form. And these are and this is the word of your Lord. Watammat Kalimatu Rabbik. And at times you would find that this qiraat is Watammat Kalimatu, another qiraat recital would be Watammat Kalimatu Rabbik. Watammat and at times there is uh, variation uh, in gender. So you might have a masculine form and at times you might have a feminine form. So you would have one particular tribe that would say something in a masculine form and they would say La yaqbalu. And at times somebody might say La taqbalu. And both are right. La yaqbalu and La taqbalu does not break the message of the Quran. It does not spoil the beautiful guidance that Allah has kept in each word of the Qur'an. Do you understand what I'm saying, my brothers? So this was only the manner of reciting and pronouncing the words. La yakbalu o la takbalu. And at times there is also differences in the zabar, zair, pesh, the diacritical marks of the Qur'an. So for an example, at times you might read, Hal min khalikin ghayrullah. Hal min khalikin ghayrullah. And at times you will find that in another recital it is Hal min khalikin ghayrillah. So it is ghayrullah and ghayrillah. At, at, at times there is a difference in uh, the variation of verbs. So you might have one verb which is Ya'rishun. And the same verb that is recited as Yu'arishun. Ya'rishun, Yu'arishun. Same word. But the pronunciation is a bit different. Ya'rishun, Yu'arishun. At times, variation in syntax. So for an example, لَكِنَّ shayatin would mean, at times you could read it as لَكِنَّ shayatin. لَكِنَّ shayatin you could read it as لَكِنَّ shayatin. And so these were the differences. Sometimes it was يَعْلَمُونَ and sometimes it was تَعْلَمُونَ So the Arabs were professional. Each of the tribes knew. So what would happen? Abdullah ibn Masood was in Kufa. In Kufa, he taught his disciples his qiraats, what he had picked up from Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the qiraat of Kufa was different to the qiraat of Syria. In Syria, there was nothing to cry about, Musabai. Don't worry. This is a revelation. Allah says, Inna nahnu zikra wa inna lahu Allah says, I guarantee that every verse of the Quran is protected. Shaitan cannot come close to the Quran. Every zabar, zair, pesh 
It's an open challenge. وَإِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ مِمَّا نَزَّلْنَا If you have doubt, produce something like the Qur'an. فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةٍ مِّمْ مِثْلِ And so the qiraat of Syria was different. Now we are talking about the qiraat. How to pronounce the words. How to pronounce the words. Now what had happened? You had the khilafat of Abu Bakr Siddiq. There was not a problem there. Everything was, a lot of it was quite uh, isolated to the Arabian Peninsula. Hazrat Umar Farooq was on a mission of jihad. Everything was about jihad. You had Hazrat Khalid bin Walid controlling Syria. You had the other Mujahideen controlling Iraq. So his entire life, mashallah, was all about jihad. We've covered that. Hazrat Uthman Sira, when we cover that, the great service that he provides is with the Quran and also some of the trials and tribulations that had taken place in his time. Allahu Akbar, Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an, in his time there was one problem. You had now non-Arabs entering Islam. These were people who could not speak the Arabic language. So at times they were reading the Quran in their own manner, in their own language, with, with the rhythm of their language. So you will find somebody, there was one brother who was reading the Quran, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki, Yawmiddin, Iyaka, Na'abudu, Iyaka, I say, my brother, if you're a Pakistani, but you still read the Quran according to the Arabic style. If you're a Hindustani, still read the Quran according to the Arabic lehja. If you are, whatever you are, bhai, you must just read the Quran according to the Arabic lehja. It's very, very important. So with our language, you will find. That is why you'll find some of those people who speak French. When they speak English, you know straight away that this man, he is French. Not You know straight away that he speaks French. Originally his first language is French. So he will incorporate his style of French with English and mix it up. So the problem with the, the, the Hazrat Uthman was facing, that at times there were people who were reading uh, inauthentic recitals of the Qur'an. Inauthentic. This was a problem. And one incident that occurred during the time of Hazrat Huzaifa bin Yaman. Brothers, this is a very, very important subject. We need to know about, inshallah, we'll cover some of the markings of the Qur'an so you understand what you read, why you are reading, what you are reading. Hazrat Huzaifa bin Yaman radiallahu ta'ala an was in jihad, in the battle in the frontiers of Armenia and Azerbaijan. What he noticed there that all of the Muslim groups were in complete disagreement. They were in complete friction, by disagreement. One was saying that what our recitation of the Qur'an is far more superior than yours. And the other group was saying that no, no, what you are saying is wrong. And you know, unfortunately, we even get this. Hanafis would say, Ah, oh, we are Hanafis, you, you people are nothing. And the Malikis would say, Oh, we are Malikis, and you know, you people are nothing. We have to be very, very careful, my respected brothers. Maliki, great people. Hanafis, great people. Shafis, great people. Bye. All of the fuqaha are great people. Stars are stars, bye. Huh? Flower is a flower. The fragrance is different. These were great, great individuals. You should not say that we are better than that person. Alhamdulillah, this is only to facilitate people. But it is important that we remain steadfast and hold on to one fiqh. That is very, very important. But this is a different subject. When Hazrat Huzaifa bin Yaman saw that the Muslims were in total disagreement, he left jihad fi sabirillah. That is why ulama have mentioned that at times a person has to diagnose the situation correctly. Very important. Mm-hmm. And Hazrat 
Huzaifa knew that jihad was important, but not as important as what he wanted to say to Hazrat Uthman. He went straight to Madinatul Munawwara, Darul Khilafa, the capital of the Muslims. And he said to Hazrat Uthman that I fear that the Muslims are going to be divided like how the Christians and the Jews have been divided. And Hazrat Uthman did sense something to that effect. So he said, Huzaifa, tell me, what have you experienced? Because he was, Hazrat Uthman was in Madinatul Munawwara, and Hazrat Huzaifa was a man who was out there at distant regions looking at the conditions of Muslims. And he said, there are now Muslims fighting over the recitation of the Quran. One is saying, we are superior than you. Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an what he did, immediately he convened a meeting with all of the companions, Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een, including Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an. All of the Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een were sitting there. And Hazrat Uthman said to them that this is the problem. Now we need to remember that there was not a single copy of the Quran anywhere in the world at that time except that which was in the possession of Hazrat Hafsa. This was the copy written during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. Now we need to remember that the reason why during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq one copy of the Quran was written was because a lot of the great Huffaz were made shaheed. So as a precautionary measure, one copy of the Qur'an was written. And that copy was with Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, then with Hazrat Umar Farooq, then it went to Hazrat Hafsa. So it was still with Hazrat Hafsa. They asked Hazrat Uthman, what is your wish? We must not forget that Hazrat Uthman was again a great teacher of the Qur'an. A man who would read the entire Qur'an in one raka'at. Okay? So he knew the tafasir and everything about the Qur'an. He said, my opinion is that I wish to unite the entire ummah upon one recital of the Qur'an. One method of reading. And that is upon the logo of Quraysh. Of how the Qur'an was revealed to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the last recitation of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Jibreel Amin. The last door revision of the Qur'an that was done with Jibreel Amin, which was on the logo to Quraysh. He said, I wish to put the entire ummah, unify them upon that standard of recitation. All of them said, Labbaik, this is also our wish and this is what we want to do. Now we need to remember that some of the people have made a mistake here. What they say is that what Hazrat Uthman did was that he discarded all the rest of the recitals of the Qur'an. This is wrong. Hazrat Uthman would not abolish that which is wahi. That which has been authenticated. Hazrat Uthman does not hold that power to do that. That is wahi. What he did was he put the entire ummah upon the logo of Quraysh, one standard recitation. At the same time, he also accommodated the different recitals that were taken from Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So what he said, those who are proficient in the Arabic language, for them if they wanted to recite in the different recitals it is okay. But for the general public it is just one simple recitation of the Quran which is known as Mushafe Uthmani. That is known as Mushafe Uthmani. That is very, very important we understand that. Hazrat Uthman did not, aliyazu billah, take out any of the other recitals. But in the margin, he also showed the people that one word could be read and uttered in different, different ways. Now, 
when this standard, one standard of the Quran was transcribed, it was done by Hazrat Zaid radiallahu ta'ala an and a group of companions. Slightly different from the Quran that was there at the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. During the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, the Quran was collected, but the surahs were not in the arranged form. So what Hazrat Uthman did is that he arranged the surahs also to what we have today. So that was entirely arranged. He also accommodated the different recitals of the Quran. And in the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, it was one standard Quran. Hazrat Uthman made seven copies of the Quran and he sent all the seven copies of the Quran to the seven major cities of the Islamic Empire. Madinatul Munawwara, Makkatul Mukarrama, Yemen, Syria, Bahrain, Basra and Kufa. All of the main cities. And with that what he did is that he also sent some of the Qurans. So he sent a Quran and he said, I want you to collect all the other material of the Quran and bring all that to Madinatul Munawwara and nothing of that will be read. Everything now is in accordance to this one recital of the Quran. And so you had the Qari in each city explaining to the reverts and to the non-Arabs that this is how you read the Quran. And Allah gives jazai khair to Hazrat Uthman. Until today, this ummah, it's like a seat belt. We have, we have a seat belt and we are protected that there is no discrepancy and difficulty in reading the Quran. You have different, different kirat, but this is reserved for those who are mahir, professional in that manner of reading. So you would, it would take years for a person just to enter into that field of reciting the Quran. And, and that is why Qurras at times take 10, 11, 12 years mastering and understanding the different recitations of the Quran. So this was the Quran during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala and this was his service. Now very quickly, I just wanted to show some of the brothers here that when you open the Quran, there are of course different, different markings. Now sometimes we read the Quran, maybe we don't know what what that mark is there, what the word is there for, what is the significance of that word. So for an example, in the time of Rasulullah, in the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr, Umar Farooq and Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an, we need to remember that there were no nuquts in the Quran. Nuqut means dots. See, qaf, how many dots are there on a qaf? Ji? How many, Musabai? Two dots. Uh, on a ta, how many dots are there on a ta? Two dots. So these dots were not there during the time of Sahabai Kiram Ajmain. Just to show you how professional they were. They would read the Quran without the dots there, without making any mistakes. Can you picture a Quran without the dots and that we would read it right? I think even the Hufas would make mistakes. Huh? Allahu Akbar. But they were so proud of the Arabic language that they would read the Qur'an without the nuquts. So if you open up any page, you'll find many many dots on the verses of the Qur'an. Can you see that? Dots. Many many dots. But during the time of Rasulullah, during the time of Khulafai Rashidin, there were no dots whatsoever. Ulama have mentioned that these dots were inserted only later on to facilitate the ummah because you had a lot of people who were non-Arabs and new Muslims and they were making a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. A lot of mistakes. 
So for the first time the dots were inserted into the text of the Quran, the Kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now who are the pioneers or who are the people who have contributed to this? Ulama have mentioned many names. Generally one man whose name was Abu Aswad. It is said that Abu Aswad is the one who put the dots in the Quran after instructions given to him by Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala. Another name was the great governor of uh, Kufa whose name was Hazrat Ziyad, a great Qari. He is the one who put the dots in the Quran. And the third person, we all know him, Hajjad bin Yusuf. Hajjad bin Yusuf, the great Zalim. Hajjad bin Yusuf put the dots with the aid of the great Tabi'i Hazrat Hassan Basri, Rahmatullah Ali. So with the help of Hassan Basri, he put the dots. Wallahu alam, whoever did it, Allah knows best. But these are just some of the names that you will find in the books of history as far as those who have done khidmat of the Qur'an. So there was no nuqut, there was no nuqut, but then we have nuqut now, dots in the Qur'an. The second thing what you will notice in the Qur'an is also the zabar zair pesh, the diacritical marks. Now in the time of sahabai kiram ajma'een, there was no zabar zair pesh. In fact today if you open up any book of the hadith, you will find that there is no zabar zair pesh in it. So if you open up generally the books that are studied by students in Darul Ulum, just to make sure that they are very strong in the Arabic grammar, the Zabar Zair Pesh are omitted. It's not there. So they have to read the Ibarats, the sentences, the verses, all the narrations without Zabar Zair Pesh. So if you could read that, that means you have a good grip on the Arabic grammar. So the Qur'an, what happened was, it was without Zabar, Zair and Pesh. Again, the Ummah was facing the same problem. They were making a lot of mistakes. Hajjaj bin Yusuf with Hazrat Hassan al-Basri, what he did is for the first time he put the diacritical marks, which is Zabar, Zair and Pesh. But it was not like how what we see today, like Zabar is like a straight line, Zair straight line, but under the letter. The, it was in the form of dots. So the Zabar was a dot on top of the letter. And the Zair was a dot under the letter. And the Pesh was a dot in front of the letter. So it was dots, dots all the way. The problem was that now people were getting confused with the intrinsic dots of the letters and the diacritical marks. And ek, the Zabar Zair Pesh, it was a problem. So now again Hajjaj bin Yusuf came up and some of them have mentioned other names. They decided rather than putting dots as Zabar Zair Pesh, just to make the Zabar in a straight line and a Zair in a straight line, but on top and at the bottom. And then the Pesh, the pesh in this manner, just like that. And then you had again the Tashaddid, the, the that is there, that was also in a different way. You'll find the Arabic, the, the Quran that is printed in the subcontinent, our Tanween is different to that which is printed in Saudi Arabia. So you'll find a lot of the Quran in the shelves, you will find that some of the Quran are better read by the Indians, Asians, and some of the Quran are better read by the Arabs because they have one standard of uh, drawing and printing the tashdeed that is there. Not a difference in the Quran, but that is how it was. Another thing we need to remember 
is that the Quran is divided into seven uh, sections what we know as the manzil kya kehte hain manzil now how what is the history of manzil generally sahaba kiram ajma'in were used to completing one entire Quran in seven days that was the general habit of the companions and therefore there was a marking in the Quran as the first manzil, the second manzil, the third manzil so they would read the first manzil, first day, second manzil, second day when seven manzils were completed it was the entire Quran so for an example what we have here just at the beginning of Surah Al-Ma'idah it says Al-Manzil Sani can you see that? Al-Manzilus Sani that means the beginning of the second manzil so a sahabi would read on the first day this much this portion of the Quran that would mean uh, complete five paras and a quarter of the sixth para complete five paras and a quarter of the sixth para so this is one manzil and so another manzil starts so the history of manzil is that sahabai kiram ajma'in were used to reading the Quran in seven, seven days and an, another thing which is very very important also is that we also have adza how many Jews do we have in the Quran? 30 how many Jews do we have? 30 parts the history of 30 Jews is that this was purely uh, sort of a, a teaching aid for Muslim children in the madaris just to facilitate Muslim children in the madaris the Quran was uh, divided into 30 Jews so when the syllabus was given to them the teacher would know right in the first year you have to complete six Jews so the teacher would complete six Jews and in the second year you have to complete another six Jews so that is the history of the Ajza this is the Ajza another thing what is also very very important is you will find Ruku's Ruku. and the, the sign of Ruku is the Ain that you see here can you see that Ruku yeah. and so we have how many Ruku's in the Quran 500 and 540 540 Ruku's we have 14 Sujood 14 Sajday Tilawat so what is the purpose of Sajday Tilawat in that verse Allah is saying for an example those who believe in me bow down to me so that immediate immediate uh, response uh, to the to the meaning of the verse a person does sajda so that Allah you are telling us to do sajda immediately in our salat we are doing sajda so that is sajda tilawat now the reason why we have ruku subhanallah that shows that generally one ruku would mean that you have read enough portion of the Quran to be completed in one unit of your prayer so if you have read one one ruku in one unit of your prayer it is okay for you to do ruku that is why it is known as ruku that is why it is known as ruku why is it known as ruku so that if you, from one ruku to another ruku if you want to take shortcut say yaar baat ho gaya one ruku to one ruku you did Ruku. ruku so that is fine so it is enough now it is just to facilitate people that look how much of the quran do we read and the shaitan is there oh you haven't read well no 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 
or you haven't read enough and the ummah subhanallah Allah has made this easy that if you have read one ruku it is sufficient and ruku are usually divided also in different categories so for an example there is a story or a message narration there is a sequence that you have to finish and in that sequence the Quran ends the chapter so that is how you have ruku so you have read enough and also you will find that in the Quran just to facilitate people you have the the rub'ah the, the Hufaz would know this Rubu' would mean a quarter Rubu' would mean the quarter of the para And the Nisf would mean half of the para And Salatha would mean of course three quarters That would mean three quarters And that is generally the markings of the Quran The other history inshallah if you want to cover You can meet up with some of the Qurras And they'll tell you exactly what it means but generally, basically, these are the nuqut and the markings of the Qur'an. It is only to facilitate the ummah. Alhamdulillah, this was great service provided by Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala. And generally, the Qur'an that we have now are known as the Mushafi Uthmani. What is it? Mushafi Uthmani. Which was the last recitation of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam to Jibreel Ameen. So you have also different recitals, but this was the most accepted recital upon the entire Ummah of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So anywhere you go in the world, you will find that there is not a lot of differences now in the Qirat of the Quran. If otherwise, that person is a Qari. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وسلم تسليما اللهم تقبل منا وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم نستغفرك ونتوب إليك نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سمعنا وأطعنا غفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين